This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today I'm delighted to say we are joined by Craig Earlham, Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London. How are you, Craig? Really good, guys. How are you? Getting ready for another uh, warm weekend here in uh, the UK. We really are, have hit summer here. I don't know about where you are, uh, Nick. Probably it's always uh, hot at this time of the year. It's a little warm, but I, we're a little bit more prepared for it in the south. We've got AC here. All right. No, we don't We don't have that. That's only in hotels and swimming pools. Let's get going. Let's first start with a look at the indices, because you might have expected after what happened on Wednesday with the Fed that markets wouldn't be quite as buoyant as they are. At the moment, they're on the up. Why is that? Yeah, you know, I think it's an interesting uh, week, to say the least, in terms of the indices markets. Uh, it's one of these uh, stories that we've seen played out for a while. The, the Fed, in their commentary, was incredibly cautious, as they have been, right? They, they've leaned on the hawker side. They've leaned on the cautious side uh, for, for several months now. Uh, and what we see here is this week, the indices catching a really big rally, despite Jerome Powell making mention that rate cuts are off the table for this year and that they expect uh, an additional up to 5.6% in the Fed funds rate. The indices, however, shrugged it off really quick. And you can see uh, I've got the the chart pulled up. The day of the Fed meeting, you had a shoot down initially, followed by a massive rally that just sustained itself, breaking clean through the highs. Now the S&P trading up in the 400, uh, sorry, 4,400 range. Uh, we even saw as high as almost just shy of 4,450 on the S&P. So indices catching a really big bid and uh, a confusing topic, I think, for a lot of traders, investors out there. Uh, People questioning why the dollar getting beat down so much, uh, despite the Fed signaling in uh, in their language for the rate hike. But that's where I think things are interesting. In their language, there's a conversation about higher interest rates, but it's the actions that I think a lot of traders are paying attention to. We had what is a pause, right? It, undeniably, we've we've seen interest rates of 25 basis points, 55, 50 basis points at a point. You know, we are now seeing that slow. And my take on it is that I think investors and traders alike uh, are seeing, yes, the Fed is in their vocabulary saying that there may be further rate hikes. Uh, but I think the risk to reward has really shifted from, say, a year ago where the Fed had just kind of said, you know, until we see some crack, we're just going to raise, raise, raise. Now we're starting to see language and the ship kind of turn to where you know what, the economic numbers are sure slowing, but unemployment is still low. We see companies still doing just fine. And now we sort of have a worst case scenario from the Fed that uh, many market participants are shrugging off as not that bad anyways. So the case, I think, for a quote unquote soft landing uh, or, or very mild recession is becoming stronger. And I think the indices, again, despite rate high expectations um, from the Fed or, or in their vocabulary, the indices still look very, very strong. I even saw charts for, um, you know, forecasts for companies uh, are, are rebounding heavily. You know, earnings projections are, are still relatively strong. So, uh, Craig, I know this has been a really exciting week and a lot of uh, confusion for a lot of people looking at the dollar down so much, the S&P, the indices across the board doing very well. What's your take on it? Is there something I missed in that? 
No, I think you've covered everything quite well. I just added maybe a couple of things. One is, um, I, I agree. I think the case for a soft landing has certainly increased, and I think the Fed pausing actually helps that rather than hinders it. Uh, even if they do hike again at some stage, it shows that we are on that kind of outward trajectory rather than still, uh, uh, still kind of deep in this kind of tightening cycle. And if we look at the data, you say there is resilience, but there's also a lot of progress and not just in the headline data, but in the underlying data as well that signals we are going to see a little bit more uh, slower job growth and that we are going to see core inflation dip a little bit further over the next few months. And I think should that materialize and that will give a Fed a lot more comfort. I actually think this is probably the end of the tightening cycle. The Fed can't admit that, but I think this, this is the end of the tightening cycle. And I think that's what's helping the move. The markets don't always align with the Fed. Now, it was interesting how Hawke the Fed was uh, as part of this but then you've kind of got to take this with a pinch of salt so bearing in mind this is these are highly uncertain times but the range of views for the Fed by the end of this year in terms of where interest rates would be ranged from 5 to not 5.25 percent to 6 to 6.25 percent there's only six months left at a year so that's so there's at least one policymaker who thinks we're going to see four more rate hikes and then there's two policymakers who think we'll see none that's mild compared to what they think for next year. The range of forecasts for the end of next year is 35 to 3.75% going right up to 6 to 6.25%. That's a massive range of, of opinions. So I think people are kind of just taking what the Fed says with a pinch of salt. They know there is two components here. One is the enormous uncertainty. And the other is the fact that I think the Fed needs to be remain hawkish until they're absolutely certain and we'll see this quick pivot. And I think that's always uh, been the case. So I think that's another thing which I think maybe uh, traders are really taking into, uh, into consideration on that point. And then I think finally, the other thing we need to see before we've got some confidence in these markets is... We need to see more sectors join in. Uh, at this point in time, AI is still a massive part of what's dri driving this rally, especially in the US. And when we see more sectors join in, I think we can become more confident. And that's one of the reasons why I actually think there's potentially still legs within this is, is that once we start to see that confidence in the economy, uh, that soft landing, avoiding a recession or a very mild recession like we're seeing in Germany now, two consecutive quarters of minus 0.1%. Once we start to see that really priced into these markets and maybe start to see those rate cuts uh, priced in with the Fed again, then I think there is the potential that other sectors will start to kind of join in this rally. The AI is quite clearly uh, leading by some way. That's the other thing as well, finally, that I think that's really interesting within these markets is that despite the rate, including in the range of views, I think markets have kind of shrugged off that last rate hike to some extent, even though markets pricing in maybe uh, one more. That said, one thing that the markets aren't doing anymore is pricing in rate cuts. So markets are pricing in peak rates right till the end of the year. And I think that's the first time this year, maybe barring a blip for about a week, a couple of months ago, that the markets have decided we're not going to see rate cuts before 2024. And maybe this is the trade-off that traders have had with the Fed is saying, we don't think you're going to go as far as you say you are, but we now kind of agree with you and believe you that rate cuts uh, 2023 is going to be a little bit too soon. And that would make sense when you consider that they are concerned about sparking a recession. If it's reached or getting close to the uh, optimum uh, rate, then at least they're trying to calm fears that any major increases, maybe 0.25 you mentioned already, could lead to a recession. We're already seeing that in some parts of the world, Nick. 
Yeah, and I think that you know, in terms of parts of the world, you mentioned that uh, it's it's interesting to sort of see uh, all the other different central banks in relation. In our in our podcast on Wednesday, we talked about the the variety of difference uh, that we got from you know the Bank of England and the ECB, and we talked specifically about kind of where in the curve uh, each of the central banks are. Uh, so the Fed may be kind of um, envisioning you know pausing, uh, and, and eventually perhaps we start seeing conversations conversations about cuts, uh, but it's starkly different than what we've seen in some of the other central banks. We've seen uh, the Bank of England, we've seen uh, the, the ECB, of course, and I'll, and I'll come to Craig on that in a second, uh, be on the pretty much, you know, hey, we still see uh, things need to go higher. They need, they need to, to hire for longer kind of concept, whereas you see language from the Fed uh trying to hold on to that hawkish narrative. But again, traders and investors kind of forecasting for the contrary. Uh, Craig, we had, of course, following the Fed, everybody talked about the Fed, but we had a really important meeting from uh, the ECB uh, and Lagarde spoke. And uh, where are we at with ECB? I know, again, Fed uh, expected to be a bit softer going forward. Where's the ECB in relation to that? So there's still a view in the markets that the ECB may be done. Uh, maybe, and I think that's probably not going to be the case. I think there's one more rate hike there. But the markets are still pricing in today a 30% chance that there's no more rate hikes that were basically done, or at least that there won't be a rate hike at the next meeting. And then three months away feels a long time away, so anything can happen in that time. Uh, but Christine Lagarde was keen to push back on that idea. And in fact, she said, unless there's a material change, that there's a very strong chance that the ECB will raise rates by 25 base points at the next meeting. She's not normally that explicit. So uh, the fact that she was so desperate to push back against this shows that they are concerned, like the Fed has been and like other central banks are, that the markets will get ahead of themselves and kind and kind of uh, undermine their tightening efforts by easing financial conditions in the markets on the expectation that we'll see that pivot. And then I think at some point, again, we will see that very sudden pivot from the central bank when they feel like they've got enough evidence to do so but markets have kind of shrugged that off again but i guess this is always just a case of managing expectations the european central bank is making progress we saw some good inflation data last month and i think that's quite promising but then she also uh, well the ecb also raised its inflation forecast for the next for this year and next and i think that was probably the biggest takeaway beyond what lagarde said they raised their inflation forecast their headline inflation by 0.1 percent but for both years but they raised their core inflation forecast by 0.5 percent that's a big shift in the stickiest most concerning area of the inflation data because that's where things like services inflation come into play and energy prices have less of an impact at least first round energy prices second round effects uh, have a much bigger role to play and that's the thing that central banks are ultimately most concerned about the bank of england isn't concerned that inflation is running at 8.7 percent they're concerned that core inflation rose to 6.8 percent because that's going to be the hardest thing to defeat so that that revision i think from the ecb came as a, a bit of a shock but still market think that they're pretty much there in terms of the tightening efforts and that the end of this year is going to be a case of maybe one more rate hike unless we do see a sharp change in the economic data it is also worth noting like i mentioned earlier germany is already in recession uh and i think the eurozone may uh have even followed it into recession or is about to follow it into recession so when when we are talking mild recessions here but they this is clearly taking an economic toll as well uh, and, there, and I think that's going to be playing on the minds of, uh, of policymakers in central banks over the course of the next few months. And as long as we can start to see more 
uh, more um, progress on the data, then I do think we are going to see them slowly taking a step back. And I think we will see uh, by the end of the summer going into September time, we'll see a very different tone from them. And I hope so as well, because I think we are getting to the pressure point, the pain point as far as interest rates are concerned. Finally, guys, uh, in this week of uh, central bank announcements, in line with expectations, we've seen the Bank of Japan maintain its uh, loose monetary policy today and leaving its interest rates unchanged. That decision was unanimous from its nine board members. As I said, it was expected though, wasn't it, Nick? Yeah, it was. And and I think when you look at the Bank of Japan, um, they, they've been, as long as I've been trading uh, and, and looking at the markets, they've been sort of uh, the, the most, I guess, quote unquote predictable uh, compared to some of the other ones um, that are more, uh, I guess, uh, back and forth. And, and it just seems like they yet again reiterated their, their ultra loose uh, positioning their 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 plans to keep rates unchanged, um, and it's it's very interesting to look at the Bank of Japan uh, and, and the Japanese yen specifically compared to the other Western counterparts, right? Uh, the the euro, the dollar, um, you know, all of them strengthening dramatically against the Japanese yen because we're now I think entering into a phase where again risk on is getting a bid. You're seeing indices rally. You're seeing. Um, sort of uh, counters to the dollar do quite well, uh, like the Australian dollar, the New Zealand dollar. Um, And and I think that the yen going forward, until you get uh, some sort of sudden jolt, which we've seen often uh, with the Bank of Japan, what seems to be the theme is uh, they're they're ultra loose. And then every once in a while, there'll be talked about currency intervention or something like that. Um, But reliably kind of unchanged, it does seem, from the Bank of Japan. We see, again, uh, expected to stay at their current interest rate with no changes there. And um, if you look at any cross against the Japanese yen right now, I mean, take a look at the uh, the pound against the Japanese yen. Uh, it's just a straight shot up. And I, I find that chart especially to be interesting when we talk risk on, risk off. Uh, and a, a really good example of two central banks that are kind of just in different positions, right? You have the Bank of Japan, super, super uh, kind of stagnant, not changing their their uh, positioning in terms of uh, rates and in terms of outlook. Uh, and then you have um, the, the Bank of England, which is more up in the air, more discussion there around their high levels of inflation that are, that are concerning to them and how far they need to go. And regardless, you can see the markets clearly bidding up uh, bidding up the, the projections for the, the pound compared to the Japanese yen. So I think uh, the, the Japanese yen, especially as we enter into a risk on sort of environment that we're seeing right now, people, uh, you know, Ed made the point that they declared sort of a, a, a bull market for the S&P 500. Um, and we see that playing out not just in the indices world, but also in the currencies world where the yen is just not able to catch a bid. One chart, again, also that I think is kind of interesting is you're even seeing uh, the Swiss franc rally very strong, despite both being kind of those traditional risk-off currencies, um, you know, even even the Swiss franc outpacing uh, tremendously the, the Japanese yen. So it will be interesting to see if anything changes. Again, um, changes there 
very uh, less exciting, I would say, than some of the other central banks. But I think looking at it as sort of that risk off currency that's getting beaten down right now in relation to all the uh, the risk on moves that we're seeing, um, I, I'm generally thinking that that stays the case. It's been a while uh, or been ongoing. And now to see it accelerating as risk on comes back into play, I just the yen just looks like a tough one to be long on. And, and also in relation to, you know, uh, the 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 Japanese yen, you have the Japanese stock market, which has done incredibly well, right? The uh, Japan, the Nikkei, uh, just exploding in value. Uh, and, and again, another testament to risk on catching a bid relative to the risk off play in the yen. So um, that's where I'm at with the, the Bank of Japan. Yeah, I think uh, everything you said there is really interesting. I mean, we've got this new governor in the Bank of Japan, right, who's been, I think everyone expected he might uh, start to moderate policy there. We might, he might be the person to come in and make these tweaks, change the yield curve control barriers, uh, maybe even move away from yield curve control altogether tweaks to QE, something like that. And he's done none of that. He's actually come in and he's really reaffirmed the Bank of Japan's position. He's created a review that he said is going to take 12 to 18 months. And every month it seems to be people want to test him and say, well, is this the month when you're going to make the tweaks to yield curve control? And he keeps pushing back and saying no. And I think that's having a really dampening effect on the yen because all of a sudden I think people are losing faith in this idea that he's going to. And I think he did the same thing overnight. He was talking about the fact that we're in the early stages of moderation of uh, Japanese inflation. In other words, they still still think that uh, inflation is cost push. They still think it's coming from external factors that are, uh, are only going to have temporary effects on inflation. We've heard that story before, of course, but this is to a much lesser extent than an economy that's failed to have any inflation for more than 20 years. So I think they're obviously a lot more concerned about raising interest rates uh, rather than taking the risk on the other side. Uh, but he's very much re remained firm on this position that this is the correct policy tool for this moment. And they think inflation will moderate on its own over the next six to 12 months and therefore they don't need to do anything they don't need to harm the economy in order to that's going to do it all on its own so i think that's had a dampening effect and uh, a little stat of the day the euro hit a 15 year low against the yen today so the lowest level since 2008 can't remember what else happened that year i think it was quite a big one but uh yeah the lowest level since 2008 so uh stat of the day there uh, something to take us into the weekend you definitely get a prize for that stat and for also the reference to 2008 as well, uh, Craig. Uh, nice stuff. Guys, enjoy your weekends and we'll speak to you again next week. Thanks, Johnny. You too. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.